0: Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence. Be assured of your salvation in Christ and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripturing this morning will be taken from the book of Amos, the fifth chapter, and beginning with the 18th verse. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord! Why should you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light, as if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned with his hand against the wall, and a serpent bit him, it is not the day of the Lord, darkness and not light, and gloom with no brightness in it. I hate, I despise your feast, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and cereal offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fatted beast, I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs, to the melody of your harps, I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Lord, help us in our day that we might let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. O oh, hero, oh Israel, your God is one Lord. We live today in a most prophetic time and I mean by that a time when the prophecies have by and large been fulfilled within our scriptures that we hold sacred and hold to be the true and the living word of God. Some of us have watched the holocaust on TV. And almost that thing too, and was called again, both emotionally and mentally, to the years that have faded into the past now. But how vividly some of those emotional things that happened to me during that period of time came back to me in a very responsive way. I can be minded of the fact, though very vividly, that about three months before the war was over, being in the little town of Crayfield, some 150 miles from Berlin, and where our GIs overran a less-known concentration camp, I remember the day being a mess sergeant and having a responsibility of feeding some saying that they were fed of some three or 400 men. There was a GI that brought some six or seven of these young men all that was left of this concentration camp. They were almost literally starved to death. They were between the ages, I would guess, between 17 and 20. But they looked like they had lived a lot longer and been really abused. That was a long line of young people like that. Maybe that's overstatement. Maybe some 15 to 20 or 30 young people within the next few months. I was able to be of help to that came from those concentration camps. All of them, of course, being Jewish, the ones that I talked to and had any dealings with, and I talked to them. Some of them could speak perfect English more perfectly than I can because they didn't have any slang in theirs. And I talked to them to some degree and some length, and I remember saying to them, asking them a question, the ones that I would meet. I was not too skilled within the scriptures at that time because I would not been to seminary, In fact, I had not read the Bible too much, but I became aware of something that was astounding to me. That when I'd asked these young men the question, I would say, now, what do you intend to do? The war is practically over, and we have won. Now you can go and come and do anything you want to do. And, of course, I was assumed by that in my mind that they would say, well, now I'm going to go back to my town, whether it be Crayfield or or Lexington, Frankfurt, or whatever it be, or Berlin, and I'm going to take over where my father left off. I'm going to rebuild the building, and I'm going to reopen the business, and I'm going to take over the family fortune and rebuild it. Of all of those people that I talked to, this was not the case. Now, if it had been the case of you and I if something like that had happened to us, and we didn't know anything else like they did. They had never been outside of Germany. I didn't talk to one of those young people that had ever been out of the bounds of Germany. If that had happened to us, we would have said something like I have just stated. Well, we're going to reclaim the old home place, and we're going to redo the thing and get back in business and get on with the business of living again. They told me to a person, that if they had their first desire of what they could do above everything else they would give every piece of ground and land or whatever they had left in Germany for a ticket to go to the holy land. They wanted to go to Israel. I never met a one. Listen to this. I never met a one. They had never been there before. I did not meet a one of them but what that was in the burning desire within their heart and their soul And I became conscious of something that was astounding. I began to realize at that time that I was seeing the prophecy of God fulfilled. It's not that these young men were together and talked it over because I had different people from different concentration camps and different places in Germany and Poland. But to a person, I want to go to Israel. We who believe in the scriptures have been told that before the return of the Lord that there will be an Israel. Now the astounding thing about it is that for approximately 2,000 years the country Israel was out of existence. And then in your lifetime and mine, dear ones, God has seen fit to restore it as a nation And I mean literally, God did it. It's the most astounding thing in the world that a nation been out of existence 2,000 years can come back into existence as a nation and in the last 25 years, has there been a week or a month but what uh, this country has not been in the headlines of our papers and at the center of the activity of much of what's going on in the world today, Beloved, it's enough to cause a person who has some understanding of God and the prophecies to pause and to consider. Secondly, you think about this. The same scriptures that tells us about the restoration of Israel as a group of people and as a nation also tells us that there will be a day a coming when there will be a great falling away from the people of God. The outer fringes will begin to break off. People will begin to desert for this reason or that reason. And the body of the Lord Jesus Christ will become smaller. But in the midst of all this breaking away, there will be a strange phenomena take place. Though the church will grow more smaller in number, but at the center of this thing, the citadel of it, the heart of it will grow stronger. And it will be more powerful. It will have a greater dedication and a fantastic commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And though the winds of time may blow with the hurricane force, she might bend a little, but she will not snap or break. Is there an analyst within our time that doesn't predict that within the next ten years there will be a fantastic change take place within the world and within our culture? Now they might disagree as to what is going to take place but beloved all of them that I know of and read after tells us that the change is upon us that we're in the midst of a revolution now and where the wheels will turn only God knows. I would simply ask you a question this morning has the wheels of time turned and such a way to correspond with the days of Amos that prophet of God that walked here upon the earth. And in many ways it is even so. You don't have to look very long at the culture, at society in which Amos was part of before you began to realize that in many ways we parallel those times of God's people. They were riding on a crest of plenty and ease and peace. And to look at it on their service, it looked beautiful and wonderful and fine but there was only one thing wrong with it and it comes out this way but God they had not reckoned with God they had placed their security and their ease and looked for their peace to be tied into other things and so as the result of that they had bypassed God and so God comes to this prophet and says to him calling him from his job and from his place among his people and saying to him, I have a message to give to my people, and you must deliver it. And you remember Amos. Speaking to God, reminded him that he was only a tremor of fruit trees. You know, God astounds me in more than one way. But down through history, it amazes me in the way that God calls people. It seems that God has two proclamations, Really? He speaks to a person, and then he expects that person to speak to his people. And, beloved, God has not changed his method until this day, according to the Apostle Paul. And let us understand that what God has to say to us, he has to say to all of us. And he told Amos, you say to my people, you say to them, that the thing that I really want is to let judgment run down as waters. And righteousness as a mighty river or a mighty stream. Now doesn't that sound beautiful? And doesn't that sound wonderful? When Amos was called, he was of the southern kingdom of Judah. And so he began to practice his message on the Judeans, the people of Judah. And he began to preach to them, and he began to speak to them what God had spoken to him. And so the people in the northern kingdom, they heard over in Israel, Jerusalem, they heard him preaching. And they were so taken by his ability to preach because the kingdoms were divided in the north and the south. And when he was over in Judah and he was preaching as the Hebrew prophet he was, the people over in the other kingdom hollered and says, Listen to the line of Judah roar. Listen to him roar. Isn't it wonder what he is saying about God to God's people? Let those Judeans listen to him. And then one day he crossed the border and he went over in Israel and he began to preach the same message and that's when they wanted to send him back home they didn't want him over there talking to them the way that he had been talking over in Judah and he said woe unto you as it is recorded in the 6th chapter that lie upon beds of ivory And stretch thyself upon fine couches and eat the lambs out of the flock and the calves from the midst of the stall that drink wine in bowls and anoint yourself with the finest of oils and play upon the best instruments of the time. Little ditties that are entertaining to you. And then in that chapter also he warns them about, and this is the way it reads, but they are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. Oh, here's where it comes now. Here's where he stopped preaching and started to meddle. You are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. Now what in the world was he saying? Well, let us bring it home to us. This is what he was talking about. Beloved, how many of us are really concerned about the churchmanship that is found in our society today? How many of us are really concerned about church attendance as it is found in our society today? How many of us are really concerned about the casual attitude that people have in relation to God and to his kingdom? One of the things that is a peculiar phenomena to me within this day in which we live, and that is, beloved, found right at this point, I am greatly concerned about the great falling away of God's people as it manifests itself in church attendance. Now, some of us have been concerned about that, And one has said, well, the thing that needs to be done is send Amos back across the border to the South District. That is, a change of preacher. Oh, to God, I wish it were that simple. I wish our affliction was that superficial. I wish these last days in which we live that this would be the depth of our sin and our drifting because if that were the problem we would have no problem. How concerned are we over the casual attitude that we have in relation to God and to his kingdom. You see, the affliction had to do with dedication and with commitment and with surrender and with repentance. You see, when we think that we have a choice of churchmanship, beloved, we're in trouble. When we think we have a choice whether or not to be faithful to God and it's left up to the way that we feel at some particular time, We are in trouble. When it is a choice whether to be gathered with God's people on the Sabbath day or not, we're in trouble. When being a disciple and a faithful one depends upon what I happen to be doing at the time, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. You know it is a truth It is a solemn truth That there is a time When change should come And leadership should be changed But let us be sure Within our heart and our soul As to why it should be done You know it is a fact That a minister can be at a place too long And he can finally come to the place where he ought to go. And especially should he go if he comes to the place where he begins to love the people too much. Now that sounds strange, doesn't it? Because you see, there is a possibility that a man can compromise the message of God if he is fearful of hurting those or offending those that he loves and respects. I'm not quite sure that Amos had that problem, but that can be a problem. You see, we are told not like in the days of Amos, that there was a pending doom coming to Israel. It came 30 years later. That's a fact. The only thing that we are saying is that somewhere out here within the future and I believe it might be within the 30 years for sure that we will see such a manifestation of God's power in our world that when it settles down nothing is ever going to settle in the same place again. Beloved, the ruin of Joseph. How concerned are we about the church and about God's people Do we take it serious? Or is this another option that we have in life? And also, this man is speaking about self-denial. Self-denial, discipline, discipline. Talking about self-denial and discipline. Listen to what he says. He says, you stretch yourself on the finest couches. You eat the best meat, both lamb and calf. You sing idle songs and you are used to so much wine that speaks of so much plenty that you don't drink with a glass anymore. You tell your servant to bring it to you in a bowl. We today speak of being a disciple, a Christian, a steward. And so we are. The question is, to what depth are we? To what depth? Is there a difference in what we say? And what our lives speak of. When we lose the ability to be able to be challenged, beloved, we are in trouble. When it's easier for us to get mad than it is to respond, we are in trouble. When it's easier for us to object than it is to submit again to God, we are in trouble. When it is easier for us to quit than to sweat for the kingdom of God, we are in trouble. Being a servant of God yesterday, the day before, and today calls for a total commitment to God. Hear, O Israel, your Lord is one God. It demands your heart and your soul and your might for you to fulfill what he has called you to fulfill. Beloved, when the fires go out on our hearts, altar and the light there burns no more you could always find then that this happened there is neither respect for the message of God or the messenger Jesus came and had this dilemma whether it be in the day of Amos or whether it be in the day of Christ And Jesus had to contend with the people by saying, if you cannot believe me, and trust me. And then in the name of God, look at the works that are being produced. But they can neither look at the works nor the message. John Wesley, before his death, said, there's one great concern that I have for my people that are known as Methodists. One great concern, I'm not afraid about and scared for anything else that might come to them difficulty, hardship, suffering, whatever. There is one thing that I am greatly frightened over, and that is that one day that they will come to the place where they will be indifferent toward their commitment to God, they will be indifferent to His message. They will be indifferent to the responsibility that they have to proclaim the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. I simply leave you with this question, beloved. Have we arrived at that place where this great spiritual man was able to see that might happen to us? Is this the cause of dilemma? of the Methodist church today. Maybe we have reached a place that the people have reached in Amos' day. If we have, then let us call ourselves again to know who we are and what we are and above all to know the one that we are committed to and let us look for the consummation of this age because I too have grown to believe that we can expect God to return in some great way even within our lifetime. If we will do that it is no question about the justice rolling down like water. It will happen. It will happen. And you and I will be a part of it. Our Father Help us then to consider, and to consider well, our place in your kingdom. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started in making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.